This is Living Forever, Not an Option, a podcast brought to you by Care Dimensions, a provider of hospice, palliative care, and support services in Massachusetts. Your hosts are Lynn Skarmis and Mary Crow. Hello, my name is Mary Crow, Director of Professional and Community Education at Care Dimensions. And uh, I'm, I'm really excited about today's show. Uh, David Rodriguez, who many of you know from Danvers uh, Community Access Television. And David, I'm going to let you introduce yourself. Uh, but uh, we, we get to do this together today, and I'm really excited about this. We're going to do a little bit of a different show here than we usually do um, uh, from Timing is Everything. And we're going to do a look back to 2021. Yeah, it's going to be a look back. So, yeah, my name is David Rodriguez. I'm the public access coordinator here at uh, Danvers Community Access Television. Uh, I've had the, the pleasure and honor of working with Mary and the, the Care Dimensions team for uh, about, honestly, about four years now. So time flies when you're having fun, Mary. But oh, it sure awesome. does. It's been, it's been a blast. And I can't wait to be, uh, to be a part of this program. Uh, thank you, David. I am thrilled to have you here with us. And, and I just want to say in general, uh, David has been just such an amazing support to us in terms of keeping this program on and available to all of you in the community. So we really couldn't do it without you, David. So thank you so much for all you do. No, that's very kind. So um, yeah, I just want to briefly say before we do jump in, um, as Mary touched on, it's going to be a year in review. So all of the, the snippets that you see on this episode, they are part of full 30 minute long um, episodes. You're able to, to view directly from our website. So if you check out danverstv.org, we can touch on this again at the end. Um, there's a, there's an up, there's a, a tab that has producer programs. You can watch this and, you know, view so much more. Excellent. Well, the, the first snippet I'd love to bring up, David, is, um, you know, we did one in uh, back in the in the, the beginning part of last year on the pandemic era compassion for ourselves and others. And we had the good fortune of having Lee Kinby uh, come on the program and talk about that. There's so much loss right now. Oh uh, and, you know, people automatically associate grief or, or loss with a human being, but there's so many other levels to this that you're talking about, yeah. uh, about just life as we know it, or the uncertainty and all of those things that we had talked about. But it's, uh, you know, and like you say, we, we, you know, we are socially connected beings and we're not able to do or to, to have the support we, the way we need it. And that's just an additional loss. Yeah. And it yeah. complicates it, doesn't it? It does. It does. And and we, we suffer and have loss and pain on so many levels. Like you mentioned the social, right? Interpersonal loss. There's yeah. there's psychological pain, right, that we go through. There's emotional, there's physical, there's spiritual pain. And all of these all of these kinds of pain um, are natural and normal responses to the situation we're in. Yeah, so, you know, this is a topic, David, and, and you know, we, we've actually talked about it a couple of times, right? How do we not? Here we are, who would have thunk it? Uh, you know, March of 2020, right, with the start of this pandemic and all of that, and, and here we are, you know, oh my gosh, so much time later, and we can see the impact that this is having on so many people. So, you know, I think that the, the show was so timely in terms of talking about just the ways that this has impacted people. Yeah, and I think Lee, well, the, Lee touched on this in a couple of different uh, respects, not just the pandemic, but um, the idea of how you feel in regards to everything else that's going on and how important that is. Um, because even though there's a pandemic, like just like any other sort of situation, uh, people are going to feel the way that they feel. 
and whether it's um, being upset at a situation or or angry. And I, if I remember correctly, like one thing Lee really enforced is like it's okay to feel that way, which right. is it, it, it. I feel like a lot of times, especially like growing up, person like I can always think of like those feelings. A lot of times you're told to repress them potentially. Yeah. Like you know, you, maybe you shouldn't be crying, maybe you shouldn't be angry about a situation. Um, but the reality is like that's okay because that's how people feel. Absolutely. And it is, it's very much going to affect every person differently. We, we certainly share, right? Oh my gosh, the whole world, uh, you know, is, is experiencing this. We have kind of this universal grief and, and reaction certainty that this pandemic, but also like you're talking about individually, people are going to experience things that are going to hit them in different ways. And however they feel it's, it's actually, it's, that should be honored and respected. So wanting to look at uh, some of the other shows, too, that we went when and we talked about uh, the grief and mourning, you know, Mm -hmm. so we went. So it was kind of really uh, expounding on what people are experienced during COVID. So we went into that with April Evans uh, from our Bertillon Center for Grief and Healing and talked more about grief and mourning during COVID-19. Well, we talk about in kind of the grief world, uh, we talk about um, uh, um, the loss of the assumptive world. And so what we're what we mean by that is what we assume our world is and should be, we have now seen shaken up and and in some cases lost. So as simple as, you know, sending our children to school or, you know, an eighth grader or a 12th grader or a college student graduating, you know, well, we, we know people all get together. There's a public ceremony. Um, We, you know, we get to have the light shined on us and feel proud of our accomplishments. And that's not the case. That hasn't been the case in the past year. And that can be very hard. Um, But other things that we assume too, um, such as, um, you know, the work that we do uh, or where we live. People, people have lost jobs. People have lost, um, you know, where they live, their homes or their apartments or, or, or are experiencing the anxiety because they, they're afraid that they will lose, they will lose that or that they will lose somebody that they love. Yeah, so David, here again, I think, again, this topic is so very important, and and it still remains so very important, and I think it will for a very long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think we've we've seen all of the, uh, you know, really the, the repercussions as a result of this pandemic that we're still going through, we're still enduring. And I think what April brings up is that loss of the, you know, certainly people, and which is so pronounced when the loss of individuals that we love, but also the loss of other things like the assumptive world and our freedoms and, and just being able to congregate in social situations and such. Yeah. I mean, the, the most basic thing that, you know, she brought up, you know, if you're, if you want to go to, let's say like a, a, a child's like kindergarten ceremony or something like that. Um, it's, it's, if, if, it, if it does happen, it's not going to look the way it used to. That's for sure. Absolutely. People need these this, these types of ceremonies or, or memorials and services are a way of helping the grief, helping the healing process. And we need to do that with the people that we love to share that grief. And like you say, it's not the way we had known it. Uh, you know, life is forever changed in a way, right? And it's hard to adapt to that. And when we need these types of rituals and things to help us through this grieving process, certainly that that's very hard for people to to adjust to. 
Uh, and we also had, again, we're kind of on the grief theme here, you know, and, and how can we not be? But we also had the good fortune of talking with Claire Willis, who's the author of Opening to Grief. This is a wonderful book. And uh, again, she talks on many different topics. And this was not uh, necessarily pandemic specific, but she talked about grief in general. And it was just a wonderful conversation with her. I love this book. It, it just was filled with such compassionate information around grief and around healing and, and so many resources, Claire. So what motivated you to write this book? Well, you know, there, I had personal motivations and I had professional motivations. Um, personally, I grew up in a family in which grief was not expressed, but it sat heavily in my home, unspoken, and in the hearts, I think, of every family member. Each of my parents experienced violent suicides with a sibling and an in-law, and the sorrow was unspeakable for them. And I knew from the time I was young that I wanted something different. And so I, this is the path I went on um, working with people who were grieving. And what I found over and over was that I was hearing the same questions in my bereavement groups all the time. And the questions really made me sad. Am I grieving right? When will this be over? Will I ever, will, will, will I, I always feel this terrible? And there, there, somehow there was a, a benchmark that people were comparing themselves to. And I think it was one of the models of grief that was probably not intended for bereavement, but was intended for people that are dying. And I think grief is hard enough, but when you start to judge how you're grieving, um, then it becomes a whole nother thing. So I wanted to normalize grief and give people complete permission to grieve however they needed. I love what she says in this. And, and, and what Claire talks about is that grief is such an individualized process, you know, and there is no right or wrong. And it's so important because that's what happened. It's, it is hard enough to grieve. It's such a painful process, but to feel like judging it, like if you're doing it right or wrong, there is no right or wrong when it comes to grief. And, and I love how she talks about that in terms so that people can understand that the, the right way to grieve is their way. And, and that it's important that they feel that freedom to grieve in the way that they need to. Yeah. And she touched on the, I think one of the, the thoughts she brought up was how, um, at certain points, people set like benchmarks and in a way that almost makes it a competition, right? Like who can get to, who can be done grieving the fastest, which isn't the goal. Um, you know, if, 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 if grieving for you is, you know, one day of potentially like, you know, crying and like thinking, talking out your thoughts and then you're fine the next day, like that's wonderful. But at the end of the day, like that's not how, um, it may not work for everyone that way. So it's, it's not a competition. It's, it's, it's important to understand that what you're feeling may not be the same as what your brother, or your sister is feeling in a circumstance. Absolutely. Um, yeah, it's a process. It's a process. And, you know, I'm a true believer having done this work for so many years that, uh, you know, grief is not something we get over. It's something that we hope that it becomes more tolerable with time. And that's really what the goal is. It's not to get over it. And you'll hear people say that that's out of their own discomfort. You know, you'll get over it. It's, it's not something we get over. This is something that we, you know, that we certainly live with. But again, to hopefully time will, will make that more tolerable.
Yeah, so then, you know, we also had the good, the pleasure of having Arthur Skamas on. And Arthur is a, an attorney out of Topsfield, uh, an elder law attorney uh, specialist, and a, he and this is one of his areas of specialty. And we were talking about National Healthcare Decision Day, which is April 16th, uh, but, but they also have made April National Healthcare Decision Month. This is such an important topic. And, and it, you know, it, it, I, 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 we can't talk about this enough, David, because, you know, it, we talk about advanced directives, which are healthcare proxies and, and other tools like this. And, you know, really, there's about only about 30% of the population of people 18 and over who have a healthcare proxy completed when 100% of people should be. Uh, so I was really thrilled to have Arthur on the show uh, so that he could talk about just the importance of advanced directives. I can't stress enough how crucial it is to have a healthcare proxy. Everybody should have a healthcare proxy, not just old people. Um, when you have kids and your kids uh, turn 18, and as you and I know, with kids that are relatively just over that that age range, they still want you to be involved in their healthcare and they want you to make decisions and help it. But you can't unless they have given you a healthcare proxy. You know, uh, you know. So again, if 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 they're in an accident. You, you as a parent, you can do everything when they're 17. You can't do anything when they're 18. That's so right. everybody should have a health care. I mean, everybody, once you become 18, should have a health care proxy. Absolutely. You know, and that's the whole point of the advanced directive, like you're talking about, Arthur. It's a, a document, a legal document you put in place in advance of who you would want. And I and we always say making your decisions for you. I always kind of clear that up a little bit and just say who you want to be your voice when the day comes that you are not able to speak for yourself. Because I think that's an important piece of this, too. I feel like being appointed as a healthcare agent, you have a, a moral and an ethical obligation to really do to work on behalf of the individual. Oh, David, we could uh, we could certainly go on and on about this topic, couldn't we? Uh, and and I hope that people will actually watch that show uh, in its entirety. It's just essential that people have their advanced directives. And you know, we've we've touched on this throughout this this show today. Just with the pandemic, it's important in general, but the pandemic has thrown just another layer of that in here as well. And I think that the pandemic has been a major teachable moment uh, in terms of just really shining a light on how critical it is to have our, our healthcare documents in place and have these, you know, we want to take control of our healthcare. And the way of doing that is by having these documents completed. I think people worry about completing these because they think they're going to lose control when in fact, we're actually taking control and getting this done earlier, not when things are in crisis. Right. And a comment that you made um, near the, the end of that clip um, about you're ultimately choosing the, the person who you like their voice is going to be the one that, that matters the most. And it's, it's important to, to reinforce, you know, like there's wonderful doctors out there. Um, but at the end of the day, like only you're going to know or the person you're potentially interacting with, only they're going to know kind of what's, what you want to be decided to be best for you. And uh, like Arthur brought it up on the show. I know several times um, without the, the official like paperwork, like it, it gets trickier and it gets challenging, unfortunately, which is something I don't think a lot of people think about. Um, Cause I know it's something I didn't think about as soon as I turned 18, I, I can be honest. The, the first thing I did when I turned 18 was not fill out any sort of like, like health care proxy. Mm -hmm. um, but it's, it's important to understand kind of what that ultimately uh, can do for you and your loved ones. Absolutely. Yeah. So important. So important. Then we talked about, we actually, uh, 
talked about cardiac health, uh, you know, uh, the needs of patients with advanced uh, heart disease and their families. And we had the, the good fortune of having uh, Cynthia Ayub on, as well as Kristen Schaefer, who's one of our medical doctors here. And, and I think, you know, she did just, Kristen did such a nice job talking about how hospice and palliative care can be helpful with advanced cardiac disease. What happens towards as heart failure gets worse is people's exacerbations come more frequently, they're worse, and it becomes harder and harder. People lose ground on, on their kind of baseline health and function at home. And so that's where we focus in palliative care and heart failure and, and hospice and heart failure is to really try to enter patient and family's lives at that time of the trajectory of heart failure when symptoms are getting worse and the disease is really starting to be a burden on their quality of life. Um, because we know um, patients need symptom management. Um, shortness of breath is the obvious symptom of heart failure and we use medicines for that. But patients with heart failure also have pain and depression and insomnia um, that we can help with in terms of really addressing those symptoms and helping people live well, even though their heart failure is progressing. And then patients and families, in addition to symptom management, often need information about kind of with their, with their other doctors and their hospice and palliative care doctors to think about where are we with our, with my illness and what lies ahead so that patients and families have a chance to make plans ahead about what kind of care they, they want as they get sicker and what's important to them um, to be able to do um, and prioritize in their lives if, they're, if their life is gonna be limited by the heart failure. We care for a lot of people uh, at Care Dimensions with advanced cardiac disease, David. And I, I just want to encourage people. We have a specialized cardiac program. And I just want to encourage people to, you know, certainly, uh, you know, contact us uh, if they want more information on that subject, because it's a, it's a really important one. Yeah, wonderful. Yeah, and the, I guess the I'm obviously not an expert in it by any sense, but I think the one thing um, that she touched on was the the idea of uh, different things going on at the same time of the the heart disease, right? And how those can compound and and, uh, and ultimately make things worse. So just understanding how the, the human body um, acts as a whole, as opposed to just like the the one specific issue that may be focused on. Absolutely. And it's all around from, from our perspective, it's all around how do we maximize quality of life for people when they're, when they're experiencing an advanced illness such as cardiac disease. So uh, I encourage people to, again, uh, you know, seek out resources like Care Dimensions uh, to help them with that process. Yeah, so then we had uh, another program that we did was Joan Borsenko. Um, and Joan Borsinko is just an amazing uh, person who uh, she's a, a world renowned author. Uh, she, she's a, a specialist in the mind body connection and has done just remarkable work. So uh, we, we were just so fortunate to be able to have her on the show. Being with people who are dying, knowing, oh my gosh, I helped somebody. I made the world a better place is such a comfort. Um, I remember when my own mother was dying, my son Justin and I were there by her bedside. And he he was 20 at the time. And he just naturally started to tell her stories about when he was little, and how she saved the day, and made such a big difference in his life. 
And I could see how comforting that was to her. I think in the end, the human heart and soul thrives on the creation of positive meaning and the thought that maybe we could leave this this world a little bit better <laughs> than how we found it. I love that clip, David. Uh, I'll tell you, I you know, like I said, I've been in this field for a long time and did a lot of direct patient work and had the true honor of being at bedside of many people who were at end of life. And I'll tell you what I have found over and over again is that it really matters to people that they know that their life had significance and meaning. And this is something that, again, we can we can work with. So in, in hospice care, what we do is we tend to uh, not just the physical, but the, to the spiritual and the emotional aspects, too. Uh, we're talking about the whole person, spirit, mind, and body, and we need to tend to that whole person. And I'll tell you, this, this time for people at end of life uh, can be an amazing uh, time of, uh, even though it can be a time of suffering, if you will, it can also be a time of growth and healing in a way as well. And I love that Joan talked about that. Yeah. And it's, it's important to remember that there's, there, that there's a person there. Um, so regardless of what they're going through, like it's, you know, we touched on a little bit about this off the air about uh, my partner and her mother was recently diagnosed with dementia. So she, her memory is forgetful, unfortunately. Um, but there's still a person in there. So you could be creating new moments on the spot. You could be reliving old moments in the past. And it's it, just the, the joy you can see in the, in the person's face when they light up when you, when Joan touched on about how important um, a person's life can be to someone um, and just how that makes them feel. It matters because there is a person in there who does have actual feelings. And, and, and even though like they may not be living the life that they once were, they can still live a, a wonderful life. Yes. Well said, David. Absolutely. The other one of the other things that we talked about too was um, we talked about um, the uh, the walk. We that we we were able to have um, Amy Rain and also Judy Cranny on and talk about the the walk for hospice, which is something that we have done for many many years here. Um, you know, we have been around for over forty three years now, and uh, this is something that we do. And and the money that is raised from this walk goes back into patient care. So it was wonderful to have them on. We really see in the last two years, you know, since COVID pandemic, that a lot of families have not been able to have their normal uh, rituals uh, in order to say goodbye to their loved ones, you know, with various restrictions that we've had, and they haven't had the funerals or the memorial services. So this walk really becomes a time for them to to bring meaning. It's always touching to see all of a sudden 4,000 people, this is when we're in person, coming your way. Uh, and there's a certain joy in the group. It, it's not necessarily, I'm sure, sure there are lots of broken hearts, but uh, a, a certain joy, lots of laughter, lots of fun, lots of dogs accompanying uh, walkers. It's, it's really a, a great, uh, has been a great time and will continue to be in maybe a different way. I was sitting here listening to, sitting here listening to Amy talk and I thought, I'm the lucky one. I get to see the success and where the dollars go. And what a pet visiting someone who's always loved dogs uh, at the Kaplan House means to that family and that patient. Or taking someone's electric bill that is all they've been able to think of and being able to pay that. Um, It's it's a privilege to see the dollars put to where they, they go in such a good and 
and rewarding way. So I think I need to say thank you to everyone who has walked in the past, who will walk this year and tell you that what you raise are, is used for wonderful, wonderful things with our patients and families. Yeah, and so David, you know, the walk has just been such a wonderful event and has affected so many. So certainly for people to be able to honor their loved one who has died, but also, uh, again, you can see the money raised goes to help many people uh, in so many different ways. Yeah, no, it's 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 great to to see it kind to see it have success, Mary. Uh, November is National Hospice and Palliative Care Month, and it's also National uh, Caregiver Month. We just we're so fortunate to have Francine Temkin come on, and she was actually able to tell her personal story about having both of her parents on hospice care. So when mom was passing away, dad passed away, and I was too afraid to be with dad because I thought it was going to be scary. Um, so I wasn't with dad when he passed, which I, to this day, feel bad because I saw how beautiful it was to be with mom when she passed. And that was because of hospice, the hospice nurse and social worker and the long-term care nurse, because they said they, they had a feeling when mom was going to pass. I said, is it scary? She said, it's not going to be scary because the fact that she's on hospice, we want to make her comfortable. So she says, it's not going to be scary. So I stayed at the long-term care facility for two nights. The last night um, I get, I got into bed with her like four o'clock in the morning and I'm just talking to mom. And I just said, and it was, I tell you, it was beautiful. Cause I said to mom, I'm lying in bed with her. And I said, mom, we're going to have a snowstorm. It's going to be 18 inches of snow. Um, you're going to be able to be with your family. Aren't you lucky? You'll see your sister and your brother. And I mentioned different relatives. And I said, hey, Mom, you have to help me make brisket. How am I going to make brisket? And the next thing you knew, she fell right to sleep. And my hand was on my heart, on her heart. And every time I touch my heart now, I know she's with me. Yeah. I there. And I was probably with her not even five minutes in bed. I go outside. I go, mom died. It was so beautiful. I am so happy. It was so beautiful. And again, that is because of you guys. Lastly, I just want to bring up uh, uh, the, the show that we kind of ended the season with. And we, we often do, David, because um, I, I like to talk about coping with the holidays after a loss. Uh, I think it's just so important. So we did a program with uh, Robert Hagopian, who is obviously one of our favorites. He's a chaplain that works with us, and he's just amazing. Uh, and we asked him to come on and share his wisdom around holiday survival strategies and tips for coping with grief around the holidays. Sometimes we think we're alone in our grief and that no one else understands or no one else has been through this. It's amazing when you find out that we all have this in common because we're all human. And grief, although it manifests itself specifically to each individual in certain ways, in general, it affects all of us. And it's not a sign of weakness to reach out and ask for help. Yeah. It isn't at all. It's a sign of strength because we know we're acknowledging, you know what? I don't think I can cope with this on my own. So let me seek out people who can help me. And the professionals that are devoted to, to help are there. Um, and I encourage people to consider that and, and even talk to your medical doctor, start there and, and see, you know, what, 
what help can be brought to bear. So David, this has been fun. I mean, it's been so great to have this opportunity to look back. I I, I, often, I love so much looking and, and having these opportunities to talk with these people on the show and have their expertise. And this has been wonderful to, to reminisce and bring up some of these clips with you over that happened last year. Yeah, it's, it's, it's honestly just being uh, for the pretty sure all of those filmings I was on the back end, um, just kind of making sure things run smoothly technically. But uh, I, I know we talk about it a lot of times after programs to kind of touch on like, like, oh, what did you think, David? And uh, I always give good praise. And it's I promise you, it's not because, you know, you're a producer here at, at DCAD. And, you know, it's because it, 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 there's there's genuine substance. There's genuine topics there that um, are relatable. For example, like when we saw Francine there at the end. Uh, that's a real person. And while the majority of the programs have experts in the field, uh, Francine is someone who was kind of dealing with it um, with her with her parents. She touched on. I know there was one scene that I'm thinking of in particular where she touched on how they recreated a, a wedding. I think for I forget if it was her father or mother. I can't remember. Um, but just those moments where you know, like yes, we're talking about hospice, and you touch on it's almost every single episode. How just because someone is in hospice care, it does not necessarily mean that it's a, an end of life sentence, right? Like they can still live or have wonderful moments in their lives that can be created. They can be new moments. They can be touching on old moments in the past. Um, and and I, I've learned so much. I've, I continue to feel like I'm honestly blessed to, to, to see this program. Um, and I honestly, I'm, I really am honored that you kind of invited me to, to come on here, Mary, and just relive the past year for you. Oh, thank you so much, David. Well, it was, it just made total sense. You, you, like I said, you've, you've been such a critical piece of, of keeping this show going with us. And I am so grateful to you and, and to DCAT and uh, just uh, thank you so much for being part of this special, special show and a look back of 2021. Thanks for listening to Living Forever, Not an Option with Lynn Skarmis and Mary Crow. To learn more about Care Dimensions, please visit our website at www.caredimensions.org or check out our podcast website at www.caredimensions.org backslash podcast. We would love to hear from you with questions or comments. Please feel free to email us at podcast at caredimensions.org And of course, you can always call our office at any time. The number is 888-283-1722.